from the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Adam and Barbara are... Ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice! Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah! You don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. <laughs> but the fun has just begun. It's showtime. Learn to throw your voice, fool your friends, fun and party. Not bad. This is amazing. You want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, here I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life... Attention, keyboard shoppers. ...in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Stiffs. Welcome back to another Halloween episode of Let's See That Again. This time we're digging up another Michael Keaton Tim Burton classic, the 1988 Beetlejuice. Hey, hey! Again, I am your host with the most, Dan Sullivan, and with me is... I'm Andrew Gonzalez. That's my Michael Keaton impression. That's terrible. It is. All right, buddy. Awful. It's showtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know I'm here because I'm doing my amazing impressions. That's one way to describe them, I guess. Daniel, we're doing one of my favorite fucking movies. I feel like, you know, I keep saying this. We got to find like maybe a nostalgic movie we haven't watched because I think every episode begins with one of us going, so Dan, or Andrew, I'm I'm discussing my absolute favorite movie, except Cool World. That was my number one favorite movie. Oh my god, Cool World! Why? Why did they make Cool World? Oh my god, man, that was. Ugh. For fans who haven't, you know, you've heard us mention. For fans chiming in, you know, chiming in. What is this radio? Um, you know, you've heard us talk about Cool World a couple times. It's coming. We've recorded a lot of these episodes in advance. And, you know, but the Halloween ones, we are doing a little last minute. And, you know, it's Halloween. We got to represent. I don't think anyone's waiting for Cool World anyway. <laughs> but I'm sure some people are like, what are they talking about? They watched this movie. Are they going to discuss it? Yes, we did. And the episode's a lot of fun hearing us just absolutely shit on this movie i almost said did you see this in in movie theaters dan but no you were a baby i was a baby when and, was the uh, 
Yo, sorry. I didn't really go to a lot of movie theaters as a baby. Not as a toddler? Why not? Uh, what with the screaming and pooping? The same reasons I don't go now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, you do poop a lot. Yep. Though and I, did... I scream while I do it. <laughs> How does it sound? Like, like give me, I, I can only, give, I can't give replicate me a little... it. It's a sound I can only make while pooping. Just, just give me a little taste. Of poop? Yeah, give me a little taste of poop. I'm, I am a little hungry over here. I don't, not right now, Andrew. Anyway, uh, I feel like the the first thing that you have to talk about with this movie is the fucking cast. Um, I know we say that about a lot of the movies that we've been talking about, like, oh my god, the cast. But like, seriously, if you look at the cast of this movie, it's just insane. Like Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Michael Keaton, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara. Jeffrey Jones and Glenn Shaddix. Like, that's a good fucking movie. R.I.P. Glenn Shaddix. Yeah. Um, I did think it was pretty appropriate, too. I found out that at the they did like a memorial for Glenn Shaddix when he passed away. And the the final song that they played was Deo. Yeah, I heard they played it as a memorial. That's so fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, this is one of the roles that I would say that Shaddix is really more well known for. Um, I'm not really familiar with a lot of his past work. Um, I don't know if you know anything in, in particular. Yeah, it's kind of funny, actually. I've uh, so I, I know you aren't a big Seinfeld fan, but I am kind of like a diehard Seinfeld <sighs> fan. How know, did I'm... how did I know that? Like, you know, as I was saying <laughs> it, I was like. Is he in Seinfeld? But he I, is. I, I, am I confusing him with Newman? I started re-watching it because they just added it back to Netflix. And he's in, I don't know how many episodes he's in. He doesn't have like a main like character or anything. But he's like, uh, I think he's like the superintendent or one of the superintendents in Jerry's building. Because there's an episode where um, basically like someone dies in the building and the apartment is vacant. And they're trying to like work out getting Elaine into that apartment building and it's uh it's Glenn Shaddix as him in like I I think it's like his they they kind of allude that it might be like his partner but you know it's in the 90s so they didn't really talk about it as much but they kind of like bicker a lot about like oh he wants to let his brother move in and stuff like that so um and I think he might have I, I could be confusing him with someone else wasn't he in some of the uh the Ernest movies Oh my God! Did he no? Or my, or I might be confusing him with that other guy that was with. Um, you know who I'm talking about? Like the two guys that would always like sell. Yeah, yeah. They have like, um, a sh- like a store, and the guy would like make weird noises with his mouth, but his eyes would go back and dart back and forth. Yeah, I, I don't remember his name, but he's not in that. But looking up, because as you were saying that, I'm like, you know what? Let me pull up Glenn Shaddix and see what he's done. Um. No Ernest movies, but he was in Dunstan uh, Checks In. And Ooh, I forgot. Uh, I think Jason Alexander is also in that, right? So another Seinfeld. Yeah, doesn't he play Luke? like the father or something like that in yeah, that? Yeah, or like the hotel manager. Or something. I'm not sure. I'm pretty, I, I just remember Jason Alexander being in that movie. And I think um, was in, uh, yeah, Paul Rubens was in that too. Is he? Okay. Is this a 10? No, it's not a 10. Ken Coapis, he directed this. Not, uh, I would think, Tim Burton, because he had a lot of Tim Burton stuff going on in here. 
well just people in general but i forgot uh glenn shaddix played the mayor in nightmare before christmas yes he did that's right so r.i.p you know he was great in this his character was unbelievable you know but uh that since we're on the topic of him and it was one of my questions to ask you what does otho do like i assume he's he's an interior designer but yeah he seems to be like a jack of all trade yeah like a i'm not really sure what the word would be but just, just like a like an advisor type person that delia keeps around um you know because he like yeah i think his main job is in, is interior design but um she seems to take his advice on a lot of things and also he dabbles in the uh the occult yeah he was definitely you could definitely tell when he was young he dealt in some culty shit and um just to touch back on the the cast a little bit more you recognized uh jeffrey jones as well right jeffrey jones uh yes i always forget his name so i just had to look it up real quick yeah that guy he plays edward rooney from uh ferris bueller's day off yep he was also in uh what was this what was that movie something about he goes into space with his wife or something like that and he's got a saver and he was also in howard the duck but the the other movie i was thinking of was mom and dad save the world I don't know if I've seen that. It's ridiculous. It was one of those movies I saw all the time on TV and it had like, like it's about like these, this couple that are like their kids, I think are grown up and everything. And they're kind of like falling out of love. And then John Lovitz, (laughs) uh, critic. Yes. Is live is some guy on a planet where all the aliens look like dogs and frogs and he abducts, the 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 wife and tries to woo her while the husband goes and tries to save her yes oh i'm in that sounds great (laughs) (laughs) we should we should definitely do that movie i liked it as a kid but i guarantee you it is awful and there was a reason it was on tv all the time Hmm. i'm gonna have to check it out i i don't think i've ever seen that but now i need to make that happen not that we should be supporting jeffrey jones (laughs) at all (laughs) Uh, you did you did you already mention why we shouldn't be supporting him? No, uh, I actually don't really know too much about him other than him being in Ferris Bueller. Did he do some some creepy stuff or something? You didn't know that? No. What happened? He had child porn. Oh, <laughs> that's why I thought you said. I know. Could you recognize Jeffrey Jones? And I was like, oh, that guy. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of that. No. <laughs> Big reveals here on Let's See That Again. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Yes, Jeffrey Jones um, was one of the many celebrities uh, besides, uh, I forgot what his name from the the hockey song, you know. The hockey song? You know, that song that's like, Hey. Should I keep going? No, stop. But yes, Jeffrey Jones, who had an excellent career because he, you know, he also what was the other. Oh, he was in Sleepy Hollow. The Tim Burton version. Yeah. OK. Surprised Catherine O'Hara didn't come back for that one, because 
she is awesome. But yes, continue on the cast. I'm sorry to burst your bubble on that, uh, Dan. Yeah, that's a little. Are you in shock right now? I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't but... have so casually been like, "Oh, so Jeffrey Jones." <laughs> I just wanted to throw in a Ferris Bueller reference, and here I am promoting a pedophile. Yep, there you go. <laughs> that's Dan for you. Yep, but anyway, uh, <laughs> we got Michael Keaton here, uh, not not as Batman. Just moving right just moving, just powering right just through. Power. There's also Gina Davis. Ah, uh, Gina Davis, great in this. Yep, I miss it, like seeing this movie. I was like, I miss Gina Davis. I haven't seen her in anything. She hasn't done much, and and um, it'll be great because what's great about her filmography is because we're gonna talk about it when we do our Jeff Goldblum segment. Um, she was in a couple movies no with Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Well, yeah, shut up. <laughs> um, she did The Fly with Jeff Goldblum before this, which also Michael Keaton was considered for the role. And then also she did Earth Girls Are Easy with Jeff Goldblum. I love that movie. Which we're definitely going to do because that movie's fucking awesome. We've mentioned that movie a couple times already. Yep. We have to do it. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, so the story was written by uh, Michael McDowell. Larry Wilson and Warren Scarron. Um, Michael McDowell, actually, so he was born in Enterprise, Alabama, but towards the end of his career, once he had some monies, he was living in our local Medford, Massachusetts. Mm, hometown uh, boy. Yeah, well, sort of. Relocated to a hometown boy. Um, but some of the work that he's done that you might be familiar with, he worked on Tales from the Crypt. He did, uh, you remember the Stephen King thriller thinner oh yeah and um he also again to talk about a nightmare before christmas he also had a hand in that um larry wilson also worked on tales from the crypt so we're we're we've got a theme going here and um he also worked on the adams family which is another great movie that we should talk about soon i think tim burton produced those too right don't know actually or at least one of them that's why like if you watch it it's very tim burtony okay the first one probably oh yeah um and then warren scarron he worked on uh the tim burton batman and then he also worked on um like beverly hills cop 2 and top gun so just like a bunch of Mm. 80s flavors a lot of hits yeah uh speaking of hits the score is another danny elfman joint Oingo bang, oingo, baby. <laughs> and he's got a little bit of a cameo in this movie, too. I don't know if you... Oh, no. Okay. Uh, I was hoping I could stump you on at least uh, one of these things, because I know you've been preparing yourself here. Oh, yeah, um, man. So at the very beginning of the film, like during the title cards, before the opening actually even starts, you know how they play like a a little bit of uh, that Deo song? Yeah. That's Danny Elfman singing. Oh. Yeah. Now pretty, the song is a, is original though, right? Like he didn't he didn't write that song, right? No, he no. didn't write the song. And okay. and the song in the movie is the original version. It's I'm just uh the only version that's Danny Elfman singing is when it's like the title cards for the production companies before the the movie actually starts. There's like a little day and they play like just a couple notes of the song. 
I have that queued up. You want me like that beginning part? I can play it. Sure. Is that the part you're talking about? Yes, that's Danny Elfman with like the tuba swell at the end. This is good. Yeah. I love that theme song. And dude, I got to tell you, I've been listening to it in my car like on repeat. So like people, you know, will be driving by me and they can definitely hear me blasting. Yep. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on about Aunt Danny Elfman. <laughs> um, so speaking of the beginning of this movie, I really love the first like like the opening shots, how it starts out with like a I wanna say drone shot, but I don't know if they even use drones then. Um so it could have been like a helicopter shot or something, but the the panning through the town where then they kind of fade into the um the little model and the camera's still swooping through. I just love that kind of transition. Oh yeah, the the miniature there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was really good. It fakes me out every time and I think it wasn't until my like third watch I was like, "Oh, wait a minute. It is the regular town when at first I think I just thought it was um the miniature the whole time yeah they do they do a good job a good job of kind of matching the shots so it's a little hard to tell it's not super obvious um in every single angle that it's like not a real road or anything like that so i just thought it was it was cool how they did how they do it um because it just brings you, you you get like a really cool view of the town and then it kind of brings you right into their home and it was just a good way to kind of um, you know, because the model has such a big role, not, not well, yeah, a big role in the film as well, that it was just a good way to really show that it's like an exact replica, which it's so strange to me how like the, he's all about, um, ah, fuck <laughs> Adam, who's played by Alec Baldwin is obsessed with making this town model. But they seem to not really care for, even though we've only met a couple people of the town, they don't seem like they really care about the people of the town at all. It could just be a hobby of his. You know, some people get into like um, model trains and stuff like that. So it could just be like a passion project because even uh, like at the end of the movie when, you know, um, all the issues have been resolved, Lydia brings him like some some paint for the model and she's like, I got you some new pictures of the town hall. So it's like, it's something that he wants to keep up with, even though that they're dead and not really a part of the town anymore. I mean, in the traditional sense, I guess they will be a part of the town forever now, but in that, that water where I don't know, man, the way that they crash does not even seem like it would kill them. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised with that. Like, you would think that they would just be able to get out because the car, yeah, yeah, go like it swerves and goes through the side of a covered bridge and then falls upside down in the river. But, like, the car didn't fall that far. You know what I mean? I, I feel like someone could have saved them or they could have, 
unless they were unconscious, they could have just climbed out of the car. Yeah, rolled up the window. Cat was saying though, like she's like, oh well, you know, cars back then the the doors were a lot heavier. You couldn't open them, but uh, you could roll down a fucking window or just kick it out. Yeah. Yeah, that that whole scene, you know, I was like, yeah, but we need to kill them off somehow, which real quick, just in case nobody has not seen this movie and you decided to click on this episode. And I don't mean to sound mean. What's wrong with you? Watch this movie. Uh, Quick summary is after Barbara, Gina, played by Gina Davis and Adam Matland, played by Alec Baldwin, die in a car accident. They find themselves stuck haunting their country residence. Unable to leave the house when the unbearable Dietz, played by Catherine O'Hara and Jeffrey Jones, and teen daughter Lydia, Winona Ryder, by the home. You mean the, sex criminal Jeffrey sex Jones? Sex criminal Jeffrey Jones. And then while we're at it, um, shoplifter Winona Ryder, by the home, the Matlins attempt to scare them away without success. Their efforts attract Beetlejuice, played by Michael Keaton. A rambunctious spirit whose help quickly becomes dangerous for the Matlins and innocent Lydia. Yeah, cool story, bro. The original uh, plot was actually a lot darker, too. Ooh, I was hoping you saw, you <laughs> knew about this. I've been waiting to bring it up, but I'll let you. Okay. Um, so you, you probably heard that the original idea of Beetlejuice was more of like a like a winged demon. And he had a human form that was like problematic. Uh, yeah, it was like a Middle Eastern man. It, who it, would it would be saying racial slurs against himself or something like that? He also um, raped and murdered a lot more. Um, you know, I mean, I know Beetlejuice is kind of a, a perv, but apparently it was supposed to be a lot more of a of a rapey, like evil. Yes. Character as well, which uh, not a great concept for the main character in your comedy. It, it was supposed to be there was supposed to be a younger sister. Lydia was supposed to be older and there was supposed to be a scene that was described that he turns into a squirrel, mauls the sister to death and then tries to then I think rapes Lydia. I don't even know if there's a try there. And that was supposed to be. The story, and I think at that point it might have been still called House Ghosts. And I think one of the other um, titles for it, because House Ghosts was the the original title that the production company wanted, and then kind of in a in a jokey way, Tim Burton also suggested uh, Scared Sheetless. I wish this was called Scared Sheetless. <laughs> um, the. The crash scene was supposed to be a lot longer and more graphic, too. So I guess it would have explained a little better why they died falling like eight and a half feet into a slow moving river in the middle of the summer. But. I mean, do you really want to see Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis graphically murdered? Yes. All right. <laughs> no, that's that's understandable. And plus, you know, they they want to make this quick. You know, this was geared towards children, I guess. Um, even though this movie is very horny, and um, it is quite horny. Yes, big time. And uh, they say fuck in it, and it's PG. Yeah, that actually kind of brings me back to a point that we were talking about during our poltergeist episode where we were looking at it and trying to figure out 
how the hell Poltergeist was only PG. This movie is also only PG. Um, so I did a little research and let's check here. So the, uh, the PG 13 rating, it started in July, 1984, which is why, um, Poltergeist wasn't PG 13 because it was produced before July. Oh, okay. Somehow Beetlejuice slipped through. I think it was just because the rating system wasn't fully hashed out yet. But uh, the scene where he's like, nice fucking model, and he grabs his crotch. Uh, uh. Yeah, that should have dinged them for PG-13, but somehow it slipped through. Um, but there was a couple other things, too. He goes into a whorehouse. He's constantly groping Gina Davis. Oh yeah, and there there's a lot of oh the whorehouse the whorehouse was so funny. Yeah, <laughs> do you remember what it was called? No, oh what what was it called? I forgot actually what the name of the it whorehouse was called is. Dante's Inferno Room. <laughs> but then there was also a sign outside that said air conditioned because everything was <laughs> made to look like flames. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was such that's such like a nice nod there, like a nice little joke. Not even a nod. It's just. That's so clever. Uh, so, yeah, one thing that I really like about the film rewatching it is you pick up on a lot of hidden details about some characters that really kind of hash out their personalities that you might not notice on the first watch. Um, the biggest one for me was probably Delia because she's supposed to be this creative, eccentric art type. And um, I noticed there's a scene where they're having, I think they're having dinner. They're like sitting at a table eating and she's got this weird black like headdress on. But if you look and you pay attention, it's actually a black glove. And then there's a scene later on where she's wearing like a black evening gown and one long black glove, but then her other hand is missing it. So it's like she took one of her gloves and turned it into a headdress and then there's also, um, you might have picked up on this one as well. There's a shot uh, kind of early in the movie where Charles is walking around around wearing this bright red sweater with like some red, I mean, some white writing on it. I forget. It almost looks like a Christmas sweater. But later on in the film, Delia is wearing it as pants with suspenders. Oh, the same sweater? Yeah, it's like she's just she's got like her legs through the armholes. And if you look between her legs, you can kind of see the neck of the sweater still. So it's like maybe she's like pooping. Oh, my God. I, sweater. I I noticed the glove on her head, but then I didn't notice. I did remember that she was wearing a shirt that one sleeve is black. But now that makes sense. But I didn't realize the whole sweatshirt, like sweater thing. That's insane. Yeah, it's, there's like a scene where she's. It's before the dinner party when she's talking with Lydia and she's like, I have to make a dinner party for seven people tonight. And she walks out from behind the counter. And if you notice, she's actually wearing the sweater as pants. I love Delia Dietz. Yes. And, the, and the, you know, you tell me all these things and this raises one question. How does someone like Charles Dietz bag someone like Delia? They don't seem like they would mesh together. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm assuming it's like a he's got money. Yeah, it's like a money thing where it, he's got enough money where she doesn't have to. Uh, you know what I mean? Because she's kind of just 
making her art and buying houses from states away, like sight unseen and then completely remodeling them without any, you know, they don't have a lot of concerns. It seems like no, not at all. Um, but Catherine O'Hara was like the perfect casting for Delia as well. Oh, so I'm really glad that we we got her because we actually almost um, got. I, I don't know if you've heard, but Angelica Houston was originally cast. No, I didn't know as that. Delia. Yeah, ah. so she ended up. She like she she had the role, and I think she was like sick or something like that. Or I, I, yeah, I think she had. She just wasn't feeling well, or there was some sort of conflict with uh, with production where she couldn't do it. Um, so they ended up going with Catherine O'Hara, who was basically their um, their second choice, and she just ran with it. I heard she also turned it down first, and then Tim Burton went and met with her and was like, "Look, I think." Oh, I didn't know that. I think this would work for you. He also introduced her to her husband, who was like uh, um, on set. Like some coordinator on set. Yeah, her her husband Bo Welch. Yeah, what what did he do? He was a production designer. Is I think what? so. He worked. He was some sort of producer or a production designer or something like that. He wasn't like in the the cast or anything. No, he was just, you know. And Tim Burton's like, hey, you should uh, you should talk to Catherine. And then, love was made. Well, they probably made love too. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Catherine O'Hare crushed it, man, in this part. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate because you don't really see her play this type of character until many years later, where I feel like is the same character as Delia Dietz. If, it, if you've ever seen Schitt's Creek, where she plays Myra Rose. I love Schitt's Creek. She's the exact same character, except has an accent. And it's, ama it's amazing because... Myra, Moira, how they say it, it's weird. Moira. <laughs> Moira is definitely like how you would see Delia older. In my opinion. I could see that. Yeah. I, I, I think she's perfect for the role, though. So I'm really glad that all the all the stars aligned and we got Catherine O'Hara. Um, there was also some other possible casting changes that we almost saw like um for lydia there were uh some pretty famous actresses that actually just straight up turned down the role uh just to name a few we have like molly ringwald diane lane jennifer conley and sarah jessica parker they all just like flat out were not interested in it and then um juliette lewis you probably know her from like natural born killers and stuff like that. She actually did audition for the part. Who was that? Juliette Lewis. Juliette she was in like Lewis, natural yep. born killers with, yep. um, Woody Harrelson. Yep. I know. I'm familiar with her. I actually think out of that list, she's the only one that would probably portray it. Where like Sarah Jessica Parker. And then like, um, you just met, I don't know how I'm flaking on the other one. What was the other one you said that I was like, no uh, way. Jennifer Conley, Jennifer, Molly Ringwald, Molly Ringwald. Cause again, you had just Sarah Jessica Parker, which I don't know, not at this point, but she's like, kind of like when she was younger, she was like a shy, bashful, like kind of the quirky girl. And then also then you have, um, Molly Ringwall, which is like the lovable character that you always like kind of the teen heartthrob girl. 
You know, which I yeah, feel she like was she in like every eighties movie. Yeah, she would not fit with this character at all. You needed someone that can like really lean into that deep dark depression, but also not make it seem not comical. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know if you know about any of the casting choices that they almost had for Beetlejuice instead of Michael Keaton. The one I know more of is how Tim Burton really wanted Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. <clears throat> Which, why? <laughs> yeah, he would have been like like a lounge ghost. I'm not really sure how that would have... Yeah, I, I, I don't think it would have worked at all, even though like... <clears throat> it would have definitely been a different Beetlejuice because I feel like in this they definitely gave Michael Keaton a lot of freedom for the character, and that's why we got what we got. But yeah. who, who else? Because I only knew about Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, so the two others that were seriously considered were uh, Sam Kennison, the comic. Are you familiar with him? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with he, him. Uh, he was like an 80s comic. He He yelled a lot. He kind of looked a little bit like Meatloaf. Okay. Well, he was uh, really good friends with um, Polly Shore, right? I think so. Yes, because uh, Polly Shore is dead. He talks about, yeah, I believe that's who, who he was. He talks okay. a lot about him. And then the other actor being considered for Beetlejuice was uh, Dudley Moore. Not familiar with him as well. He's like an English actor. Okay. So what, we almost got an early version of Drop Dead Fred, I guess, kind of? Sort of. <laughs> Jeez. But luckily we got Michael Keaton, which, you know, before this, he was doing, he was a comic too as well. I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of things that like, um, you know, Michael Keaton, we're more familiar for me uh, as Michael Keaton as the actor. Before this, he was more of a comedian trying to do different things, and he decided to try to be a comedian actor. First, he did a lot of, like, TV series, and then, you know, he did uh, Ron Howard's Night Shift, which he was really good in, and then he got Mr. Mom, which was also very successful. But then after that, he had a lot of dingers. Not I remember liking uh, Multiplicity. Multiplicity was really good. But I don't think that came out until way later. Yeah, that was later. Like, before Beetlejuice, he did Night Shift. Great movie if you've never seen it. I haven't seen it in years, but my grandfather showed me it. It was pretty good. Mr. Mom, which we all know. Yeah. And then I was sad to see that this movie failed. Johnny Dangerously, I like that movie. It's where he, it's like a spoof off of like a mob movie, kind of in a way. Does not ring a bell. And then we had Gung Ho, which wasn't good. Touch and Go. LL, and then the, the Squeeze. And then he's uncredited and she's having a baby, which Alec Baldwin was also in. And then Beetlejuice, which okay. really put him back on the map there. Because then what? Was it like uh, a year later, he's in fucking Batman? Yep. So Michael Keaton was perfect in this. Like Blossomed his friendship with Tim Burton. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's crazy he's coming back again as Batman. Is he coming back as Batman? You, you didn't know about that? They even I did... heard rumors. I didn't know that that was actually confirmed. There's a new... It's 100% happening. There's a new teaser where you see the back of Tim Burton's Batman's head. Okay. And it's, and it's supposed to be Michael Keaton. That's cool. 
But eh, it's DC. We don't need to get long into that. Yeah. But, you know, we could talk all day about Batman, especially the new Rob, Robert Pattinson Batman. Looks fucking dope. We're going to talk about it after we record. But I actually forgot to mention one thing that I like to talk about with movies, and uh, that's the budget. Um, no, cra- no real crazy facts or comparisons here. Just that. Um, so the budget versus the box office for this one, it was 15 million to make the movie. And then they brought in 84.6. So um, pretty successful, but nothing uh, record breaking or crazy or anything like that. And they were able to stay low because Tim Burton was doing all his stop go animation for the special effects, which is fucking amazing. Even today, like I think it looks good because they were going for kind of like that B horror movie kind of look. I feel like some of the scenes age a little better than others, like the... um the stop motion for the statues when they like grab everyone that still holds up. Oh yeah. I feel like the sandworms look a little rough. I feel like the people, the regular people in the world of the sandworms look a little rough in the background, but I think the worm looks awesome itself. It just with the person there, I see what you're saying. 100% on that. Um, did you know that Tim Burton has said in multiple interviews, and this makes me kind of sad because the way of what Tim Burton has gone now, full CGI monster, I, it, it makes me sad for, he says, and he said in an interview that he hates watching Beetlejuice because whenever he sees the stop go animation special effects, he just keeps thinking of what he could do today. What he, if he had the ability to do CGI, how much more he could have put into this movie. See, I kind of prefer stop motion though. I really Same. grew up loving that kind of stuff. I don't know if it's nostalgia from us, but I feel like it looks better. We're like over this overblown CGI shit. It doesn't look good. Like maybe to people that are younger because that's what they're used to. But I don't know to someone like me or you, it, takes away from the movie and yeah and and like to not have like the puppets and stuff that they had like the skeletons and stuff and all the like the like i said not puppets but I me mean, like claymation stuff i feel like it wouldn't have felt so real you know what i'm saying like, yeah uh, i'm not a huge fan of cgi stuff i'm a much much bigger supporter of like practical effects and stop motion and and things like that that are like um tangible like physical effects that you create instead of just through a software application because i feel like a lot of the time it just looks like you're overlaying part of a cheesy video game over your movie exactly and and this is why in my opinion the movies of the 80s are probably like the golden years of the movies because that's when practical effects really stepped it up and then uh, just CGI like took over. Like I don't mind when CGI just does the nice gloss over the practical effects. It looks fine. And in this, oh, it was practical effects heaven. And I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, so to to get back to the um, to like the beginning of the film with the car crash, did you catch the bumper sticker? on the back of their car wow man i didn't you you're you caught good things in this no all right so um just to to recap they go into town to get a few things for the model on the way back right before they drive through a covered bridge there's a dog in the way so they kind of swerve while they're in the bridge Fuck that dog that dog's a dick uh he's still cute though but (laughs) anyway 
<laughs> they fall off the bridge um, and die. But on the back of their yellow car, there's a bumper sticker that reads, I break for animals. Ah, oh. <laughs> that's and they did and it, it killed them so was this a hit towards like hippies like mm. i'm not sure because they don't really zoom in on it or anything it's one of those things that you have to kind of freeze frame it to really catch what it says i think it might have just been one of those little jokes that they threw in to reward you for re-watching or for being a weirdo that freezes movies and zooms in like i do that's such like a like a little that's such that's again how clever the little things that they added in this movie were yeah just the little subtle nuances that just take it to that next level that really just make it so that you can watch it over and over and enjoy it for different reasons because you're not just looking at the same gag you're like oh shit like there there are scenes in this movie that i don't even remember um like a little bit later on, there's a scene. It's like before they really introduce Beetlejuice, there's just like an over the shoulder shot of him like reading a newspaper and it's like obituaries, but it's like a a newspaper for the undead. So the obituaries are all like, welcome to the afterlife. Um, and I don't even remember that. No, I didn't remember that either. When I started rewatching this, I forgot that, the, that he's kind of like searching for new customers to scam. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. So he's targeting them. And this, yeah, they, sh they show that pretty recently after the accident too. Like they, they get in the accident and then they show them going home because they think that they, they don't realize that they're even dead when they first get back to their house. So they're trying to like warm up in front of the fire and stuff like that. And that's when they realize that they're actually trapped in the house. If they try and leave the threshold of the front door, they're in like that weird technicolor desert with all the sandworms and shit which they never explain no they don't explain it at all but it's still cool i think um, it's supposed to be kind of like you know when you die uh you're getting eaten by the worms or what's the saying something like that he's he's beaten. like worm food yeah worm food or something like that i bet that's what they were going for but i also noticed um that the ghosts are are pretty flammable in the beginning of this movie because when they're like warming their hands by the fire, um, I keep wanting to call them Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin. What are their actual characters' names? Uh, their actual character names Adam, is Barbara and Adam. Barbara and Adam. So when Barbara's hand, like her fingers, like catch on fire, like candles. Yeah. The what's the word I'm looking for? The rules. There's not really clear rules in this movie on how the dead is affected and stuff like that and what can the affect the dead like yeah they're technically ghosts so why are her fingers on fire and also do they not have any other like family because after they die that lady like swoops in and sells their house like june yeah fuck june she sells her house super quick also i didn't notice before until i rewatched this that uh june the realtor or whatever or whatever her fucking role is she has like a creepy little daughter that she dresses exactly like her oh yeah who for some reason when they meet lydia rolls up the window and then talks to lydia do you notice that like her windows down lydia walks over she rolls the window up oh weird and then she's like she lydia says something and the girl talks like doesn't act shy and i'm like what was that choice for hmm 
It's because Lydia's strange and unusual. The whole character June is strange and unusual, honestly. Like, who goes to someone's house and constantly tells them that they should sell their house and then, like, ridicules them in a way because they don't have children? Like, saying, this house is too big. This yeah, is if for someone kept family. coming to my house and saying shit like that, I would not be, be friendly to them when they returned. I'd be like, you need to stop fucking coming here. I, I would have a gun. This is Connecticut, right? I think they have okay gun rules for, like, well, I'm not saying all gu gun rules are okay, meaning, like, you know, they sh I would have a shotgun by the door, and every time I'd see the car, I'd wave and be like, hey, June, yep, turn around. You can leave now. Take your creepy fucking daughter with you, too. I mean, it's the 80s. I feel like you could... You can wave a you, you gun can, at someone. Yeah, you can threaten someone <laughs> with a gun and just be like, oh, I don't know. It was just brutal, like, you know, because obviously I don't know if uh, Barbara's barren or anything like that, but you can kind of see that they've been, especially on how they take to Lydia, they've been trying to obviously have children. Because I think they say in the car, too, like when Barbara's like, eh, June says this should be for someone with a family, and, you know, Adam's like, Oh, well, we're on vacation at home. We can try. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's why he's uh, focusing a lot of time on the model, too. For kids later or just, just like out of, you know, maybe frustration. It's like yeah. some, like a. Yeah, that makes sense. Like that something makes... to focus on. You know what I mean? Like like a, you know, therapeutic, like like a like a hobby, like what we're doing right now. Exactly. Podcasting, <laughs> baby. And that makes me wonder, like, what, why they were on vacation. I guess that's going too deep and thinking, overthinking the the beginning. But it's like they decided to take a vacation. I assume he owns the hardware store in town, and then just didn't like. They were like, let's let's go on vacation at home. And it's such a small town where I feel like being home for a week would not be ideal. Especially if you got some creepy, annoying weirdo that keeps banging on your door, trying to be like, hey. Someone that's never seen your house from New York wants to buy it, and they're talking to me. And it's obviously the deets they're talking about, because yeah. I didn't even think about that until I was real. When I fully analyzed this movie the other night, I was like, oh, the deets came from New York. They were talking about the deets. Yeah. The details. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet them deets. Tweet them deets. <clears throat> I love the deets. I liked... Uh... I think I think it's a quote from uh, from Delia about like when she's talking about like all of her statues. Uh, she's like, this is my art and it is dangerous. <laughs> I love that when she gets pinned to the wall by one of her. Because also they're whoever they hired to like move their stuff. They seriously have somebody swinging her art from a crane. Like, What is going on? They did some crazy remodels to the house too. I kind of like they put up like a like a wall outside that has a window with no actual glass in it. It's just like a window frame, but the positioning of it it kind of makes it look like it's a um like a landscape picture or something like that when you're sitting next to it. It was just a like a cool stylistic choice. Bizarre. Like I felt like it kind of made the house look ugly, but Again, it was like artistic approach and pretty much showing you the inner soul of Delia Dietz and right. how she just like, but the, the, you know, speak of the house, I want to say also the interior design was my favorite when they come back, you know, after 
they do all their thing and the house is different just the way that very tim burtonish like as we said before in the batman one he's got kind of like this amusement park kind of carnival type design oh, are you, so are you talking about like after they go to like the the realm of the dead or whatever and they come back and yes. it's been like three months yes and the deets have like remote yeah okay and I, I just love the look of that. And they have like kind of like an MC Escher kind of floor. The guy that does like the the three dimensional kind of like um, drawing scapes. Yeah, like and, the stairs that go in different directions without yes. connecting and stuff. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. But I would love to, and I think you wanted to backtrack a little bit into when we get into that world. Yeah. So they they get like their um their handbook from the for the recently deceased. Diseased, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> and they have to um, basically draw like a chalk door on the wall and then knock on it. And um, I can't be alone. You must have tried this when you were a little kid, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Many times. Try, like, you know, but then it turns into you're just pretending there's a door and you're like. <laughs> but uh, it actually works for Alec Baldwin. And they go into like the, the waiting room of the undead, basically. And there was another little joke that I didn't pick up on as a kid that I really got a kick out of here with like all of the employees in the waiting room. Did you notice any kind of theme with them? No, not really. It reminded me of the RMV, if that's where you're getting at. No. So later on in the movie, uh, there's a scene where um, where Glenn Shaddock's character, Ortho, says something along the lines of uh, basically... Uh, people that commit suicide oh, yes. are uh, civil servants in the afterlife. So if you notice, everyone that works at like the, I forget what they call it, but like the the DMV for the dead, everyone that works there, um, they all have like some sort of little detail about how they must have killed themselves. Like the first woman that checks them in, she's wearing like a, I forget if it's like Miss Costa Rica or something like that, like some sort of um, beauty pageant sash, but like both of her wrists are slit. And then when they get brought into the next room, there's like a guy that's helping them, but he's clearly been like run over by a car. Like he's like pancake thin. Um, and then even when they're talking with uh, Juno, like the older woman that's like their case manager, her throat slit. Yes, I, I actually didn't realize you were talking about this thing whole thing which is true because there was also supposed to be a scene where beetlejuice was like described for killing himself in a really morbid way like i okay. think by hanging due to a lost love or something like somebody broke up with him i think or something like that and is why he's like obsessed with lydia because lydia is trying like wants to be dead and okay is, thinking about killing herself or something like oh. that. But we never got that. And I think it was because of runtime. Well, there is another, um, there's like someone that's hanging from a noose that's like being swung through the office that he's like, it's just like a background character. But as he's kind of traveling through the office by the noose, he's like dropping mail on people's desks and stuff. So he's, I think he's supposed to be like an intern or something. I just thought it was really funny that they created different ways for each person. And it, and it was just like a little nod to a joke that hadn't even happened yet yeah and <clears throat> sorry i didn't even like you know about that until like the research i did on that and i didn't even think of 
that again i'm not even thinking of like who killed themselves i thought that guy was just hanging in the background driving around and I, I didn't even notice he was dropping mail on people's desk oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, um you know and speaking about people dying i want to talk about how like if you look around and again i didn't really look around too much until you know really researching for this for the people waiting in the waiting room the way that they died it's it's so funny and like again clever like they have the camper in the sleeping bag with a rattlesnake and then like the diner who's got like a chicken bone yeah the chicken throat. bone and my favorite's like the surfer who has who was attacked by a shark and he's just got like a shark on his leg and they're all just waiting in the waiting room well and then there's the uh the woman that was cut in half as well yes and do you know anything about her Yes, I do, but uh, I'll let you share that information, friend. So for those of you at home, um, obviously it's played by two different actresses because they're in two different places at the no, same time. No, they really chopped a woman in half for this uh, But the, the actress who played the legs in the specific scenario was the current, at the time, girlfriend of Tim Burton. And she name what? escapes me. I don't have the name either, but Michael King got to touch those legs. Keep it in your pants, Andrew. <laughs> yes, I got a boner. <laughs> I was told they always talk about my boners, and I'm trying not to say it, but I couldn't help it in this. There was a boner. Play and like I'm, a little boing. Yeah, I'm sad I don't have my soundboard because I just so habitly looked down to hit the boing noise and no boing. <laughs> so... Um, it's a sad day, oh. Day, oh. Me say day, oh. But yeah, like you were saying, after like the three months pass, when they get back to the um, to the Dietz house now, I guess you could call it, because it's been remodeled. Um, Juno even warns them like not to talk to Beetlejuice, and she mentions that he was like. I don't, does she say intern? She basically says that he worked with her. Was it her assistant? Yeah, and they had to let him go because he was kind of going rogue. Um, but then they have a really cool shot of the the miniature model of town again where, um, I mean, it's clearly just a camera swooping around and they put in like the fly sound effects. But then they have like a, like a giant fly that uh, lands on the model and Beetlejuice like lures down with a candy bar and eats it. Which that scene is a nod to the actual movie, The Fly. Cronenberg's The Fly. Another great film with uh, the iconic Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. And uh, not to like backtrack too much, but real quick, I wanted to say on also that office scene. Did you do you remember the PA? Like what the PA says? How they go. Flight 409 is arriving t at the gate in the office. Mm -hmm. But it's um based on a United Airlines flight that crashed in the mountains in Wyoming on October 6, 1955, killing oh, wow. all the passengers and crew aboard. So that was like a little nod to that. That's crazy. That's what I mean, the little things that they decided to add. And there's another one, too, where, I don't know, I guess I can hop forward on this unless you have the information as well when we see the football team later and i believe do i have the notes on that one uh was actually based off of a football team that died in a bus accident oh. on their way to like a game do you know do you remember what the team was 
Um, are you asking me if I knew it or do you have it? I do not have it. I was just curious. Um, I did. I, I, I thought I copied down this thing. I could find out real quick. Give me a second. Sloppy, sloppy, Andrew. I know, I know. The football players bothering Juno reference to... Yep, they were referenced to a 19... Oh, another flight crash, actually. It was not a bus driver. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, the football players were referenced to the 1970 crash of Southern Airways Flight 932, which took the lives of 37 players of the Marshall University football team, along with the eight of the coaching staff and 25 boosters. Yep. They were wearing different color uniforms, though. So it was Marshall University football team. Okay. But still, such a great nod to, like, you know, to put that in there, looking up past deaths of things that they can throw in. And from what we see in this world, I guess I would say, time is kind of weird. Well, for the ghosts, anyway. For the ghosts. Like, anytime they leave the realm of the house, time moves a lot faster. Yes, that is correct. But I'm wondering if time works differently in the in the afterlife as well. Well, I think I think I think so. I, th- I think it's anytime they're not in the house, like if they're in the afterlife or they're in the sand desert, it seems to move pretty quick because yeah. when Adam first goes, he's like, I'm going to when they first are in the house and he goes to to leave um, and Barbara pulls him back in. She's like, you were gone for two hours, but the scene's like 30 seconds. Yeah, it just it sees a worm and then he's pulled back. But uh, I think we're at the point now where Barbara and Adam decide that they're going to take matters into their own hands and they're going to scare the Deets themselves. So they put on some like flowered bed sheets and start like going around and moaning. Um, I love that scene. My favorite part about the whole scene is that Lydia just thinks that it's um, her parents having sex. Because she's well, not her parent, her father having sex with Delia because Delia is like her stepmom. Um, but yeah, just when you first start hearing them go like, Ooh, her, for her initial response is, how can he stand that woman? <laughs> and she's like, I'm a child for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes out and starts like snapping pictures of them. Like, Oh, if you want to have your sick sex fiend things going on. But that's even weirder. Why would she snap pictures of them? Like maybe do something embarrassing or bang on the door to like make them to stop. But, now well, you're they, taking they were pictures. in the hallway, so I think it was just like, a, oh, if you're going to be like having weird ghost sex in the hall, I'm going to shame you. So if your parents were having weird ghost sex in the hall, you would go out there and take pictures to shame them. Maybe not to shame them. <laughs> like, what, for yourself later on? I don't know. <laughs> No, not at all. That does that does not work. And she used a film camera too, so that means she'd have to like develop them and put a lot more care into it. You know what I mean? She she did say that she was strange and unusual. She was, um, childhood crush. By the way, when I was a kid, definitely definitely had like um some weird taste in in movie. Uh, ladies, because when I was a kid, I was, uh, I liked, I 
really liked Delia, no, Lydia Dietz, and was also really big on uh, Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams. Oh, same. I think that's I think that's a lot of people our okay. age, though. So it's not as as strange as I and I, as I'm making out to be. No, I mean, I mean, it'd be strange if you were still like pining over a 16 year old girl. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I'm in my mid 30s, so yeah. that would be extremely strange. I'm definitely feeling Catherine O'Hara in this movie for sure. Hell, fucking yeah. I may have not felt it when I was younger, but as someone older, she was a babe in this one. Oh, yeah. Charlie Dietz, you are a lucky man. Though she does seem like she'd be a handful. No, well, I guess maybe that's why he is uh, o- overlooking her um, Strangeness. quirks. Yeah, we'll say. She's she's good with that D. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, ultimately Adam and Barbara decide that they're, um, not having a lot of success doing the scaring themselves because they can't even wake up Delia, which, uh, Lydia also has the funny joke where she's like, she's sleeping with Prince Valium tonight. This is one of the things that like, like there's many things watching this as an adult that went way, way over my head as a kid and I didn't realize it until rewatching it Prince Valium. Like I thought that was like when I was a kid that that's what she was calling her father. And I was like, Oh, I don't get it. Maybe it's some sort of romantic night in right. some story, but nope, she's talking about Valium. He's on a bunch of pills. Yep. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're kind of realizing that they're not going to be able to, to scare these people out by themselves. So since the, uh, the ghost government or whatever isn't helping them either. Ghost government. <laughs> They're like, you know what? Let's check out this Beetlejuice guy. Um, so Barbara calls his name three times. They go down into the model. And I have always loved uh, like the scene where they're they're digging up the casket. Just how they're like digging through like foam and cardboard and stuff like that. But it's still like a grave. Yeah, that's, again, one of those nice Tim Burton touches. And did you notice the spelling of his name on the tombstone? Geist? Yeah, it's it's spelled differently than it is uh, in, like, the title cards of the movie, basically. Uh, it's spelled B-E-T-E-L-G-E-U-S-E. Um, so that is also the name of a uh, a star, Beetlejuice. It's where they got the the name. It's I think it's like the. It's typically depending on the region that you're in, the tenth brightest star in the night sky. Uh, but they changed the spelling, uh, essentially just for marketing purposes. Because during like audience testing and stuff like that, people couldn't pronounce it, um, because it was it was originally spelled out the same way, like Beetlejuice, but with a G. And test audiences were like Beetlegeist, Beetle. So they were like, we need to kind of phonetically spell it out for marketing purposes, or people aren't even going to know what movie they're going to see. I'm surprised they didn't even like think of that to to begin with, because right off the bat, like I don't know, it even looks weirdly spelt and just doesn't seem like it it works well. You know, Beetlegeist. It just 
it, I don't know. I hated seeing that way. It's spelled that way the whole time. And in the whole movie, that's how it's spelled. Right. Yeah, they only changed it for the, for the title of the film. Yeah, and it worked way better for them and for marketing wise, definitely. I also noticed it looks like in like the the very beginning where they show Beetlejuice in the title, it says there's like a space in between Beetle and Juice, but everywhere else it's not. They were probably that's when they were probably trying it out and then just didn't think to fix it later. Yeah, because I noticed that too. Like workshopping it and then they just missed it. Uh, I do like this part a lot too, and I'll probably queue it up once I am able to do it. But like, it, this has one of my favorite quotes, where like Adam's like, "What are your qualifications?" My wife and I would like to ask you a couple of questions. Sure, 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 sure go ahead. Shoot. Well, for instance, uh, what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified? Yeah, that's like one of my favorite ones. And I'm not sure I heard this, but I don't know if it's 100% true. Michael Keaton may have improvise that one okay which is awesome because the, the it just like you know i've seen exorcist 167 times and it keeps getting funnier <laughs> it's funnier every <laughs> time i see it <laughs> it's so so good ah then it's a uh, you know and you don't even think of it till later michael keaton is barely in this movie yeah, he really is not in it that much. I, I think you we don't actually see him until like over 25 minutes into the movie. Um, and just a little fun fact about uh, like the production of it. it. He filmed all of his all of his scenes in two weeks. <laughs> Makes sense. He was on the, the set of that model like for most of it. Yeah. He, even when he does that commercial in the beginning, which is a spoof off of Carl Worthington, who was like, did these weird late night TV commercials back in like, I think like the early eighties. And it was like, he would always be like, and here's my dog spot. And I guess he would have like exotic animals and never like a dog would. And is why he keeps like saying howling like a dog in that. But like he literally, if you think about it and again, I didn't not again because I didn't say it in the first time for you again! to for you to mention that it's been two weeks. I just realized how much he's just on that model set. Oh, yeah. The whole the scene at the like the very end where he's in the waiting room and he steals like the the number from the the witch doctor that was added in after the film had wrapped because uh, test audiences loved him so much they were like we wish we had more of him in this movie so they called him back and made like a quick little because otherwise the last you would have seen from him is getting eaten by a sandworm yeah because I was gonna say does that mean he's like double dead maybe triple dead because he I don't know because he's he he he's in the waiting room to process his case from dying so does that mean he's free from being a caseworker? Oh, who knows? Like, I, I don't know. Give us that sequel. No, don't give us that sequel. I'm glad they didn't go with the original idea for a sequel that they had. 
Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Where I think I think the basic concept of it was like that the Deets buy a property on like a Hawaiian island, and they go there, but there's like spirits inhabiting it already that aren't happy that you know these honky white rich folk are coming in and desecrating their fucking land so they have beetlejuice come out to scare them but he ends up like turning himself into some sort of volcano demon god or something like that and then i did not know about this part and then lydia does like something to like summon a tsunami and it like saves the day for some reason it would have been a fucking absolute train wreck but it was something that they were planning like from the jump because this movie had so much popularity as it was still in theaters they were already like planning the next steps and it would have not been a very good follow-up at all if you ask me see that was gonna be one of my questions to you and like i'm kind of you kind of answered it for me it's like I know for the longest time, and there's still people holding out hope. I know back in 2017, uh, Michael Keaton did mention, and this was like, was it 2017? It was right before he got really big for Birdman. He was saying how I would love to be a part of a sequel. You know, Tim Burton and I have discussed it multiple times. It could be in the works soon. And then it just never happened because he was too busy or, you know, Tim Burton even said like, I don't know. It's probably never going to happen. Like, do you want that? Does anybody want that? I don't want it because I think the movie alone, it's a standalone movie. I don't think it needs a sequel. I don't know how you can follow this up without being terrible. And, you know, yeah, we want more of these characters, but I don't want to see it. And I don't want, I don't want what they've been doing with all these movies later. Give me a 30 year later or 40 year later sequel. I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah, and all of like any I feel like anytime you revisit a franchise that after that much time it's usually not going to be a good movie. You're going to spend a good 30% of the movie just doing callback jokes to the original film. Um Exactly, like Super Troopers 2 and Anchorman 2. Yeah, it's, it's like, just it, it 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 gets to a certain point where the hype gets so high that no matter how good of a film you make, you're not going to live up to the expectations. So if you make a bad movie, it's just going to stand out even more because people are, it's not like you just made like a crap movie that there's nothing to compare it to. Like if this is a movie that someone grew up on, especially like Beetlejuice or something like something that's been out for decades that people have grown up watching that has had franchise, like animated series made off of it and you know other uses of the ip if you're going to go back and do something that's going to completely destroy it like not only are you potentially going to lose money on that project but you're also tarnishing the memory of the original film because now you're just cheapening it for a cash grab yeah and mainly also because there's no, I, I don't know how you can make a sequel to something like this. This is unique. This, there was never anything like this before. You send them to Hawaii, Andrew. Just like the Brady's, which they did in that, that movie, which the sequel was all right. I was going to uh, say, I fucking love that movie. You yeah. shut up. <laughs> but it's like, you know, um, a story about like, you know, this was pretty much like idea came up of like, 
uh, kind of like poltergeist. But what about what if the ghosts were good and the evil was more of like hinted at the living people? And this was never done before. You never saw a movie like this. So like to add an additional chapter or something that's a continuation of this, it's almost impossible because where do you go? Where do you go with this? There's there's nothing we can really do unless you did like a prequel, maybe uh, following the life of Beetlejuice. But then I, I don't know if I really want that either. I definitely don't want that. I definitely don't want that. No. It'd be like, oh, well, this is him becoming Beetlejuice and then it's him Beetlejuice. And let's let's go with that. We don't need like 30 plus years later to see young Beetlejuice. Like I'm. <laughs> Who not interested think, who do you think would play him one of the kids from stranger things i don't know they'd probably just still have michael keaton but just like overly cgi him they'll do what they did with captain america or like the kids in stranger things no not stranger things that uh, it part two where like oh well they're a little older now but we need to show flashbacks so we'll cgi their faces let's just put instagram filters on everybody <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 what we'll do. That yeah. looks great. Yeah, this is definitely not a movie that can be brought back. And I know people want it, you know, and it just may it would make no sense. Because like the thing is too, and I'm glad you brought up the animated series, in this movie, Beetlejuice is technically the villain. And in the animated series, he's not he's like lydia's best friend not the ghoul who tried to force an underage woman into marrying him yeah he's a lot less pervy in the animated series he's just kind of let's go do some crazy ghost stuff he's not like trying to grab your boobs when you're not looking at him which he keeps trying to do to barbara the whole time that they're talking in the in the miniature he's just groping her and Sexual harassment right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like trying to invite them back to his coffin. He's like, let me make you something to eat. Uh, so they, you know, get the hell out of Dodge and decide they're going to just try and up their game and and scare the deets themselves because they don't really want to get involved with uh, such a shady character, we'll say. Um, so then that kind of brings us to one of my favorite scenes in basically the whole film. Uh, so we've, we've got some new guests at the, at the dinner party. Uh, one of which is I'm not, I'm not clear if it's supposed to be Charles's boss or just like a big client or whatever. The guy, Max, you know what I'm talking about? It's played by Robert Goulet. Yes. Okay. Uh, Robert Goulet, actually another local boy from, uh, from Lawrence, Massachusetts. Can I actually forgot that like, uh, Goulet was in this and she was like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Robert Goulet? Like, and I was like, yeah, that's that's him. Is he still alive? Uh, no, nah, he's got to be I'm dead. I'm not sure. But yeah, this has the the Deo scene, which is like whenever I think of this movie, it's probably one of the first that comes to mind. Um, and I just I love everything about this. I love everyone's acting because they they simultaneously look super into the lip sync and dance moves and stuff like that, but also because it's supposed to be that they're just like being possessed. They also look very confused and terrified at the same time. It's, it's just a really great mashup of uh, like the expressions on, on all of the actors are just fantastic. They crushed it. 
they fucking crushed it. Like rewatching the scene and watching their reactions and and everything. It's just it. Yeah, it's it's perfect. And I like love when like, you know, um, Jeffrey Jones, his butt is wiggling and he's the way. No, it wasn't him. It was one of the women, her butts wiggling and just her reaction to like her butts possessed. (laughs) Yeah. Like Catherine O'Hara, like she just starts really dancing and like her movement, she's really into it, but her face, she's just like, what's happening. Oh, she fucking crushed when she starts doing like the peacock kind of like head dance, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, she, and, and again, like you said, the confused look, you know? Yeah. It just really made it because it was, I don't know, just the, the reactions are just fantastic. And then you get those giant, shrimp glove arms that jump out of the bowl and grab everyone. So it's just kind of neat to think that there were, you know, seven people standing under the table the whole time with their just hands waiting. in a puppet, just waiting for the right music cue to jump up and grab someone's face. Like, I wonder how many times they had to do that so that they all did it like in sync because it's really, they all grab them at the exact same moment. So I feel like they had to practice that a couple times because you're, you can't really see where you're grabbing. So they'd have to have like a mark where, you know. Oh, yeah. And you don't want to grab too hard and like. Hurts. Yeah. Punch someone in the face. They definitely had really good timing in this. Now, did you know that Tim Burton wanted to cut this scene? No. He didn't like it. He well, he he thought it was too cheesy and that people were going to like hate it and that it wasn't going to work in the movie. And it ended up being one of the most iconic scenes. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. So like. It it was really I think it, the the production designer I think Catherine O'Hara's wife husband a lot of people were telling him like no 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 just keep it it'll work it'll work and it tested through the roof people love this and again you can't hear me say Deo like people saying that especially if you were like born when we were without knowing what it's from. Or thinking of Beetlejuice, because it's not technically exactly from Beetlejuice, but you know what I mean. Right. It's just associated very closely with it because of that famous scene. Yes. And I actually, like, another thing about this scene, there's, I have a little tidbit. I think it's, um, I think her name is Adelaide Lutz. Yes. Adelaide Lutz is the actress. You know the girl that kind of looks like, like um, she definitely looks like she f- should be in a Tim Burton movie. She's wearing the green dress. She's also at the dinner table. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Funny story about her. Um, there's this podcast I listen to, Blank Check. Check it out. Talks about um, movies that they go over directors' movies that like got so famous that they can make whatever movie they want, and it's really good. And he mentioned how when he watched this when he was a kid, he was a little younger than us. He, his best, his neighbor's mother was, is, uh, Adelia Lutz. And he didn't know that. So he's watching this movie like years later and he sees the dinner scene and he's like, oh shit, that's my, that's my friend's mom. And he like called him and everything. And I guess she was like a, uh, like a celebrity hairdresser and Tim Burton really liked her style and was like, Hey, would you want to come in for a, a scene? Because you know she doesn't really have any lines or anything like that. I mean, she she still has some good... She's one of the people that I noticed. She has some good reactions, though. Yes. She was really good in it. 
And again, though, like the style, I think, killed it for her. Like when she's like shimmying and stuff like that. Yeah. Like she did a really good job. But I just thought it was funny. Like, you know, and this was before, you know, Griffin Newman. He was in the, the newer Tick show and stuff like that. Like to be a kid, you know, you're not really an actor or hang out with other actors. And then you watch a movie and you see like especially a famous movie and you see your friend's mom just sitting at the dinner table singing Mise Deo. Especially if she never mentioned it before. Like if I were in Beetlejuice. Yes. That would more or less be how I introduced myself to people. I'd be like, hi, I'm Dan Sullivan. Have you seen Beetlejuice? Because I am in that movie. Yes. I, I too. You, We both become those cheesy people you see in like sitcoms being like, hey, you see like that uh, deodorant commercial? Yeah, that's me, baby. I'm in that. It's all me. I would totally rock that. But this 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 scene absolutely iconic, one of the best scenes, like you said, well acted, and it just honestly I feel like this gives the movie like the movie's still going pretty good, it's enjoying, but this even just starts to really jumpstart the movie even further and kind of gives it its second wind. Well, yeah, this is really when they they're expecting everyone to go running, screaming from the house. Um, but instead, they kind of see it as a business opportunity. So they're trying to get the ghosts to come down and basically have a meeting for how they can uh, monetize the haunted house. Uh, so when they refuse to go downstairs, uh, the Dietz and Ortho go upstairs to to confront them, basically. Um, so Adam and Barbara are like hanging outside of the window, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if they can't see them anyway... Couldn't they just not leave the room? Yeah, there was a there was a couple things. Maybe they thought because of that they might be able to see them. I don't know. Because even later when they're tr- they're like you got to try harder and they do the really cool stuff with their face. I love the the makeup they use on that. I again was thinking like wait a minute. So why are they stretching their face when the only one that's going to be able to see them is Lydia? Right. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Because they already established several times that they can't see them when she, when Barbara's like hanging from a noose in the closet and they just like push her aside to like look through and they end up like throwing the wedding dress on the floor and stuff like that. Um, so it just didn't make a lot of sense. But I also didn't understand why if they can't see the ghosts, why can they see the ghost manual? Like, shouldn't that also like, like, is that just a regular book? Yeah, that's true, too. Because I was like, how does he just see it there and pick it up and and walk away and read it? Um, and just to talk about the book a little bit more to kind of segue into some shit that happens a little later on. Why would there also be instructions in a handbook for the recently deceased for how to perform an exorcism on ghosts if you're a human yeah that kind of seems uh like it just didn't make a lot of sense why would those instructions be in the handbook if that basically kills a ghost we should we should put this in the handbook why well you know just in case a human finds it and one of us goes crazy you know we'll just put it in there it'll be great it'll be great because our books are between worlds (laughs) i don't know yeah, it, it it it's definitely a bit of a plot hole there. Um, but but they take the book and they basically start planning to have a 
like a seance to kind of strong arm the ghosts into cooperating with them. So they go and, and dig up like their, uh, not, not literally dig, but they take their, um, their wedding dress and tuxedo out of the closet because they need a personal item. So, um, I think this is the point where Beetlejuice comes in again as well. Right. And does the whole snake thing. Yes. Um and scares the, Lydia. Because this is uh this is right before the whole wedding dress thing and stuff like that. And this is where Lydia thinks it's actually um Deborah no no Deborah, Barbara and Adam who did this. And that's why she gets like mad. Yeah, it's like a, the banister turns into like a giant snake and scares everyone. Which um, again, one of my favorite scenes because I think I think that snake looks so cool. And uh, a cool fact that I found out about this scene actually is, uh, so when they filmed all of the live action reactions to this scene, like all of the actual actors, this was filmed before Michael Keaton was cast as Beetlejuice. So they didn't actually know what the monster that they were reacting to looked like. And then later on, once they had cast Michael Keaton, they made the stop motion snake with a face that kind of looked like Beetlejuice. Um, but before then, they were really just kind of reacting to like an unknown snake monster. Well, they acted correctly because I will admit, when I was a kid, this part scared me. The Yep, I was a big baby. And uh, the snake um, parts, yep, this part terrified me as a kid so much that I had the Beetlejuice toy where he you can pop off his head and it's like snakeish mm -hmm. that I would uh, every time if I went to bed and its head was still off I would pop his head back on and just shove him deep in a toy chest deep in your butt deep in my butt so he can never break free he's still in there you'll never escape me Beetlejuice <laughs> but I can't say his name three times or he'll explode out of my ass <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then they, they do go. So uh, Adam and Barbara go back to like the the land of the dead again to basically get more advice from from Juno, their caseworker. And this is where uh, the scene you were talking about where they like manipulate their their faces like they stretch them out. Um, Adam makes his face kind of look like a weird like rooster monster. And Barbara like pokes her eyes out and puts them in her mouth and. It's it's I mean it it's definitely really cool um the practical effects there and I also noticed there's like a cool shot in in uh Juno's office where if you look through the window it's like a um it's like a movie theater with like a bunch of dead people so it's kind of like how we're watching the movie oh. on the other side they're watching a movie but kind of like flipped around you know what i mean i thought that was like a nice little like there's like a couple corpse looking people and then one of the one of the people sitting there is just a straight up skeleton and then there's also one of the blues brothers for some reason was was belushi dead at this point that that is a good question i'm not 100 percent sure so he died in 82, so yeah. he, he had already passed away. So that's probably why. 
There's probably a nod to him. Didn't even think of that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's cool. See what I mean? These little fucking things that they added in this, which I, I assume is all Tim Burton, you know, because he's got such a fascination with the dead. I wouldn't even be surprised if he like knew a bunch of this stuff off the top of his head. Yeah, it, he he definitely throws a lot of uh, interesting details into his into his films that make it worth a rewatch. Oh, yeah. And I think I was telling you, I saw a pretty interesting interview that he did, too, talking about um, he was basically on Conan O'Brien and Conan asked him at one point he realized that he had uh, made it, you know, as a filmmaker and he said that the actual moment that he realized that he had, you know, kind of made it in the business was when he started seeing porno parodies of his films, specifically uh, a parody of the film Edward Scissorhands. There's an entire trilogy, and you can Google this, Google this and see the box cover art, which is fucking insane, but there's a trilogy called Edward Penis Hands. Uh, and and surprisingly, he just has a penis for each hand. It's not like a penis on like penis fingers or anything like that. So he just has two like squirting dicks on his arms. Yeah. When you first told me this, I expected like a hand with penis fingers, not like big giant penis hand. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if he had multiple, they would call him Edward Penis Fingers. So I guess it makes sense, but. But they don't call him Edward Scissor Fingers. Right. Yeah, aesthetically, you want penis fingers. I feel like it would be more useful. We should write whoever directed those movies. Like, dear creepy weirdo, I have another creepy idea. <laughs> <laughs> this movie should be even creepier. I was creeping on your movie, and I thought to myself, you know what would be cool, but also still pretty fucking weird? More penises on his hands. Edward penis hands. <laughs> penis fingers, I meant to say. These anyway, aren't spirit I think we've penises. talked about penises long enough. Back to the movie. So Beetlejuice's penis is out. And Lydia's scared. Everyone's and scared because <laughs> it's all green and crusty. Oh, gross. <laughs> Uh, no, but now the the exorcism slash seance is uh, is in full swing, and uh, Barbara materializes in her wedding dress. But then after a few seconds, she starts to like basically decompose. Um, Another cool scene. Like I thought, this scene was really well shot. This uh, scene terrified me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The, the, again, the, this me big baby as a kid. This was definitely one of those movies where I was like, I liked it, but I would fast forward through some parts. And now as an adult where I'm still a baby, but not that big of a baby, I can enjoy parts like this. Right. But it's like you're slowly watching them decompose. It's ugh. and and Lydia seems to be the only one concerned. Everyone else is like, oh, they're fine. It's like, they don't fucking look fine. Uh, and you can't hear them either. It's like a very um, a very emotional scene because you can see what they would have looked like on their wedding day, but then, you know, you kind of see them deteriorating in front of each other as well and trying to like, like Adam's trying to comfort Barbara, but 
there's no audio to their voices or anything like that. So you don't really know if they can even hear each other. Um, and the crunchiness of her hands. Like yeah. When her holding. hand like crumbles in his hand. It's very, it's very disturbing. Um, so it was like a last ditch effort. Lydia goes and uh, recruits Beetlejuice again, who's finally in like his classic pinstripe suit. And he's basically like, well, I'll help you, but you need to marry me because I'm a weirdo. The classic pinstripe suit that he is only in for like three minutes in this movie. Right, right. Um, But yeah, then he comes out and um, we see like another really cool Beetlejuice version where he's got like the carousel head and like the big um, like sledgehammer arms, you know, like the whole he's got like a carnival theme to to him when he comes out attention came out choppers yeah uh and then there's like a couple little easter eggs in there too like at the top of his head there's a, a little skull that actually looks like a rough version of uh jack skellington i noticed that and then there's a little bat too so i'm not sure if that was supposed to be because jack skellington's bow tie was a bat but it could have also been like um you know a little nod to the tim burton batman movies too so i wasn't sure if he was trying to just like well, the Batman movie didn't come out till a year later. I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas hadn't come out yet either. So, but so I'm like, maybe these were just like sketches that he had had floating around. That's what I was going to say, because I wouldn't be surprised if he had that idea for a while. Yeah. Because he used to make, when he was a kid, Tim Burton was known for making like little miniature movies, like with miniatures and stuff like that in his backyard. What a he, creep. He was pretty much the weird, creepy kid that lived on your block that you wouldn't play with because he was just making weird movies about death in his backyard. Well, I've heard stories that he's told too, where he'd like to prank some of the neighborhood kids and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There was a joke that he played on his friend's little brother where, um, cause it was like a chlorinated pool. So he told them, Oh my God, your parents must've put too much chlorine in. Um, your brother just went in to go swimming and it melted him and they had like thrown a bunch of his brother's clothes in the pool. Oh my God. So he like, he's like, no, and he looks in and there's just like his brother's shirt and pants swimming, like just had a fucking meltdown. <laughs> what a sick fuck. You mean a genius? A genius. Yeah. Well, until a certain point in his directing career, a prank genius, we'll say a prank genius, which um, you're a little stinker yourself. So I can see why you appreciate that. Ain't I a stinker? Um, but yeah, so Beetlejuice somewhat saves the day. Um, he kind of just stops the seance, but doesn't really help um, Adam and Barbara at all. They're still kind of just laying on the ground. Um, Slowly undecomposing, I guess. I, I did like, like basically what he did to Ortho to scare him away <laughs> was he just like changed his outfit into like a really tacky powder blue suit so ortho looks down at what he's wearing and screams and runs out of the house <laughs> that is one of my favorite scenes as well he's like Pew, and his clothes just change and then uh the creepy wedding starts the weird monster thing that comes out of the doorway to like read the nuptials has always creeped me out too i think because his mouth doesn't really move very much and his voice is creepy too yeah there's just not a lot of expression it's just a weird situation um but everyone's trying to basically stop beetlejuice at this point by just saying his name and he's uh you know he makes like adam's jaw fall off um barbara goes to say it and he um 
like puts a steel plate over her face. Um, Which very cool. Like, yeah, it was very cool, cool practical effects. And then um, he like throws her into the desert with the sandworms and somehow she like wrangles one and rides it through the ceiling like cowboy style and it eats him. Yeah, I'm wondering about that. And how did she was she able to pull? Because like I assume the worms live in a different world, and the fact that she was able to pull. Yeah, I'm not sure that they're not really clear on that. Um, But basically, with uh, with Beetlejuice out of the way, uh, everyone decides that they're just gonna kind of live harmoniously in the same house. Still don't know why Beetlejuice wanted to marry a a teenager. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really clear on that either. Um, I guess that was probably just a little bit of remnants of the the creepy version of the character that they were shopping before, maybe. Um, But we like jumped to I forget how how far in the future it's supposed to be. Like maybe a year later or something like that. Do you remember? I, do they mention it? They might not. There's just there's just like a, I think you, it you was know, just, fade to black or whatever, and then uh, Lydia is at school. You know, it's like a such and such school for girls, and she gets on her bike and rides home. Uh, and this is what I was talking about, where she she's living with. She goes in, and Adam and Barbara are there. She brings Adam some paint from the store for his model and some pictures of the town hall, so that he can keep his model uh, recent and updated. And then they're talking about her grades, and when you find out that she got an A on her math test, she's like, "Oh, you promised." And then they start, you know, playing some. Um, I can't remember the artist's name who does who does the Deo song, but it's like another song from his album. And then it cuts to Charles in his office, and he's like, "Oh, I guess Lydia got an A on the math test." Yeah, they play that song that I think they use in Matilda as well. Okay. Jump on the line. Yep. Yeah, everybody, you're born. Hey, I believe you. Okay. Okay. I believe. Yeah, I don't know the full lyrics. That's another thing you listeners will learn about me. I don't know lyrics very well for a lot of songs that I've listened to a bunch but of times. But he'll still sing them. I'll still sing them, but I'll be like, hey, let me meet you. Like, make up words and use replace them with noises. Like a child would. Goo goo gaga. <laughs> me, baby. Me, a baby. Speaking of baby, because in the next scene, which you already kind of talked about, we get, you know, Beetlejuice in the waiting room and he gets a baby head because he's got a little baby head because he fucks with uh, he fucks with the voodoo guy. No cuts, no cutsies. But it's weird that the shrunken head guy has been there for a while and that voodoo guy was not there. I don't think in the beginning, was he? I don't remember, but he his number's four, so you would think that he would have been done already. A lot of inconsistencies in this. Yeah. I mean, again, that was a scene that they added afterwards just because the yeah. character was so well-liked in test audiences that they were like, oh, we should cram another 30 seconds in, and also so that the movie doesn't end with him getting eaten because then we couldn't shoehorn him into a Hawaiian adventure. <laughs> uh, which, thank God... And also, uh, I wanted to mention, like, you know, I know we're at the end here. I don't want to keep going back and stuff on things. But, like, speaking of inconsistencies, like, it, it's crazy that they even have a scene where the receptionist girl is, like, she's, like, what's with all these people? I think Barbara asked, and she's, like, 
you know, that's the way he died. So that's why he looks like that and why this person looks like that because that's the way they died. Where Barbara and Adam don't look how they died. Like they technically drowned, so they should be blue and wet. I mean, they were wet in the beginning, but yeah, they don't keep that consistent. Uh, it, I would assume maybe it's because, you know, keeping these actors wet this whole movie, you know, would be very uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it probably just wasn't feasible for a lot of the scenes. And um, yeah, uh, I just, I don't know. Yeah. And, and again, I don't want to keep backtracking, but there's also one thing I meant to bring up that I wanted to see that like, there's one scene in, well, a lot of this was shot very well. I thought Tim Burton did a really good job on shooting, but there was one scene I thought was one of the coolest shoots in this where Lydia gets a skeleton key and she's walking up the stairs and you see all the guys steaming the wallpaper and she enters the hallway to the attic and all that steam's coming into that hallway and you just see Lydia emerge from that steam. Yeah, that was a very cool shot. Up. It was such a cool shot. It's like she's just like kind of like leaving her own world trying to enter, you know, Adam and Barbara's and then like, you know, obviously she stopped at that point, but it was like such a cool, cool scene. And I didn't realize it until like this rewatch. Yeah, I did really enjoy that as well. I thought that was visually very cool. Yeah, it was. Indeed. Uh, so overall, what do you think? Would you say this movie holds up? Now, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and I thought I had my answer and I kind of do in a way... And at first I was thinking like maybe with the animation and stuff, it might not hold up. It might be full nostalgia, but like my niece has already seen this. She's 13 years old and she watched it again with me last night and she loves this movie. Like, you know, even rewatching it, she was just kind of like, yep, really into it. Didn't like, you know, sometimes I watch movies with her and she's like, oh, this is old. Why are you making me watch this? And I didn't get that reaction with her. So it kind of swayed my thing to say, like, I do think this holds up again. There's no movie like this. Right. Like, unless it's like a horror movie I haven't watched yet or something like that, that there's the same type of story. But there's never really been a movie like this because it'd be a horror movie if it was. But this is a comedy and it works so well that and maybe I, there's a porn parody called Penis Juice. Yeah. Penis Juice. Exactly. Gross. I, I'm thinking of that movie now. and I'm getting nauseous. Um, <laughs> too gross <laughs> but like to think of it also you know they don't really stick a time like a, a date or anything like there's obviously some things in this that like kind of seem aged but at the same time like they don't really give you like where is is this in time like yeah the cars look slightly different but we don't that could be like a stylistic choice where i feel like that carries over to like you know this could hold up today because again we don't know what present day and time this is unless yeah, they mention fair. it. I don't think that they do. Um, I don't think that they do. If and they it, did, I missed it as well. And it, it benefits the movie, you know, how, what do you think? So to, so, my answer is, I think this, this holds up. 
So I would say the movie as a whole definitely holds up. It's still really entertaining. It's still really funny. Um, the cast is just ridiculously talented, so that's going to make it kind of timeless. The only thing that I would say probably doesn't age that well is certain aspects of the Beetlejuice character, um, mainly with how gropey he is and that his kind of end game is to marry an underage girl. I feel like those points would probably maybe not make it uh, out of the editing room. Uh, other than that, I feel like it still holds up. Okay, yeah, I didn't think of it in that aspect. But if it was made today, those are definitely minor things they could could have changed. A simple dialogue could change, like yeah. Beetlejuice, if she, he marries a live, like a living being, he can break free and cross over or something like that. Like, you know, they could, oh, if they ever... Yeah, just more context than, hey, baby... <laughs> I need to I need to give you that ring you off know. of this dead girl's finger. Oh yeah, I forgot. I promise she meant nothing to me. <laughs> well, I guess that leaves me with just one final question for you, Andrew. What is that, Daniel? <laughs> well, if you could put Jeff Goldblum in this movie, where would you put him? Yeah, that's a strange thing to do. I was thinking Otho. I think Otho would have been a really good choice for him. Um, Otho would definitely have become like a different type of character because Jeff Goldblum definitely plays a really good confident person uh, where Otho is like oozing with confidence. And that's the type of character you, you, you need. And, you know, the, the ability to be like, oh, I can also, like, do this. I have done an exorcist or two like that. And just also be very weird at the same time, but likable. So I th I think Otho, that's my That's my a good one. There. That was definitely one of the ones that I was considering as well. I think he'd fit in really well just with the, the roles that he's played before and stuff. I could see Jeff Goldblum fitting that pretty he plays easily. a really good sly character, and that's Otho for you, you know? He has Delia wrapped around his finger. So who who would uh who would you? So that's a that's a tough one. I mean, honestly, part of me wants to to go big and 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 say I want to cast him as Beetlejuice. As as amazing as Michael Keaton was in this, I would be interested to see what Jeff Goldblum brings to the table uh, in such a interesting role. Um, I don't know if it would be better, essentially. It, it would definitely be different. Uh, but now after talking about uh, all the weird shit Jeffrey Jones has going on, I kind of want to just yank him out of there and stick Jeff Goldblum in as Charles instead. But then I think you'd also be wasting Goldblum on that one because, like, Charles is me. He's not really not saying your choice is wasteful. I'm just saying, like, if they casted him, it I think he'd steal the show from a little bit. From well, Cap. my original answer was Michael Keaton. I'm just saying now after the fact, like, yeah, looking at the cast. True. I would love to have seen his take on Beetlejuice, but uh, it just. 
It'd be yeah, it's so one of those different. I don't know if it would necessarily make it better. It might not improve it at all, but I kind of want to just see that reality. If they, well, if they didn't go with the racist Indian man and decided to go a little darker aspect, but kind of the same theme, but make it less comedy, I think Goldblum would take that character to a really good level if they were going more in the darker like kind of horror angle with and lessen the comedy. I think it would be a really good role for Goldblum. Yeah. And now that I think about it too, I think he would be kind of cool as uh as Juno as well, as like their caseworker. Oh, you know what? I didn't even think of that. He that would be a really good like they would the character would obviously be different because that woman just no offense to her she's old but she looks horrifying anyway but like go and bloom his lankiness and stuff like that like the type of character they could have made him would have been really i on it yeah i think he could bring a little more depth to the character i that's a good one i think that's better than like otho because i think like go bloom that character again has the type of characteristics that go and bloom can play yeah, so maybe I'll go. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with. I'd put him as Juno. I 100% agree with you on that. You know, again, I, I agree with you. I would love to see him as Beetlejuice, but we would get a totally different movie. Oh yeah. So Dan, I think that wraps up our conversation on Beetlejuice, and unfortunately, ends our Halloween dis Halloween discussion month. No, because then we'd be talking about Halloween movies, but. Our Halloween month. That's spooky. It's so spooky. Now, I know, and we're a little late on this because we did decide to do Halloween, but I didn't discuss with you, but I want to see if you can guess real well. What are we deciding to release next episode? You're going to have to give me a hint. Um, I would be a little loony to give you a proper hint. Could Some would say who framed Roger Rabbit. Ding, ding, ding. Directed by Robert Zumeckis, who we've already done Back to the Future. And we thought we would dive back in and visit our friend Zumeckis and our buddy. Why am I flaking on Doc Brown's name? Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Uh, I, 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 you know, we already discussed, we record these in advance. Uh, this discussion is fucking great um judge doom a nightmare for me when i was younger but such a fucking great movie i'm definitely excited for uh for roger rabbit but i suppose that does mean that cool world is right around the corner as well i have a gun to my head right now <laughs> <laughs> but thank god like i said we record these in advance and it's more of me just revisiting and double checking the editing and i'm i am more happy about the conversation we had on that but um i would definitely suggest watching who framed roger rabbit but when we get to cool world people you don't need to see the movie just listen to the episode I don't want to torture you with that. It's not worth the time. It's not worth the time. You're going to be like, Oh, Brad, Brad Pitt's in this. And, uh, um, whatever that hot chick from the eighties name is. I think we went over and I keep wanting to see Charlize Theron, but it's not Charlize Theron. Yeah. It's definitely not Charlize Theron. 
I don't remember who it actually Kim is, Basinger. but it's not Charlene's Charlie's Theron. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna look at this and be like, oh, Brad Pitt, Kim Basinger, this has got to be good. Nope, turn around, leave. It's not. Run away. Run as fast as you can. It's just it's the definition of a train wreck. It's 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 very bad. But thank you for joining us. And as always, if you have any questions, you can always email us at moviehopping at gmail.com. And um, you can always go on our Facebook and Instagram. Or you can just tie your questions to a rock and throw them through Andrew's window. Yep. You can find me at not inserting my address. Dot com. <laughs> Dot com. You son of a bitch, Andrew. That's my name. This has been Andrew Gonzalez. Gonzalez. <laughs> what? That's my last name. This is the Change way your name. I hate it. This has been Andrew Jones. No, Andrew Davis Jr. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> All right, bye, everyone. <laughs> You're not going to say who you are. All right. All right.